I don't know if I've bid her up enough. Let me give you, let me give you a share screen. Here she is. Um, Avril's Walks and Talks. This is her website. She's here on the show. Avril Nanton is in the building. This is her website. Avril's, you've got to put the S. Walks, you've got to put the S. Avril's Walks and Talks.co.uk. She is in the building. Shams and giggles. Big things are going tonight. And uh, listen, I'm talking too much. I'm going to have to let Avril come in. Avril, can we hear you first of all? It would be nice to get a word in edgeways, yes. Uh, <laughs> well, I told you I was, I was so excited about you know, having you on. Love. If I haven't expressed it well, I mean, I don't know what more to do. Do you want me to get up and do a backflip? No, thanks. <laughs> No, seriously, I went on the tour. The tour was just, it was just amazing. It was brilliant. Um, perhaps whilst Avril's talking, I don't know if um, Jemmy and Dion are in here. Perhaps they got some pictures that can be shared uh, whilst, whilst we're having the discussion. But Avril, talk the things. How did the journey begin? That's better. Um, how did the journey begin? Well, I was born... I'm joking. I, I I was born in Dominica. And, um, Dominica is in Dominica. <laughs> I see Pinky's a Dominican too. <laughs> yes, there's a couple others in there. And, um, I came to England in 1965 when I was about seven, so I'm pretty old now. And um, <laughs> hey, we don't uh, age, you know. Hold on, wait. Black don't crack. We get younger. We, we don't age. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I lived in Islington. I was brought up in Islington and spent most of my school days messing about, getting uh, chucked out of class, not doing very well in my exams, all that sort of rubbish. Mm. And thinking, you know, I'm never going to get anything done in life. I'm never going to get anywhere in life, blah, 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 like you do because you're miserable. And you know what? Um, when you was in school, getting into little bits of trouble. Why do you think that was? Because uh, I didn't stop talking in the class. I did yeah. not stop talking. I was interrupting the teacher all the time, always putting my hand up, always saying I knew the answer. Now, when we went on the walk the other day, who was doing that? Don't know. Who was always answering all the questions? Don't wasn't know. you. Wasn't you. <laughs> Isn't yeah. that a good thing, though? You know what? You can have so much interest. Of a, you can have too much of a good thing. Yeah. And um, because yeah, hold they, on, when, when I talked to you about the school, we had someone on the show where um, you guys remember Tony Crossbody. He was um, he does Black History as well. I know, I know. And Tony. he was invited to talk in schools. And what he found was in the schools where obviously there's a you know a racial um, you know there's color in there. Um, he found that the, the students were more interested. They had more interest when he brought out the issues pertaining to our history. They were attended. The same students that were disruptive, mm. all of a sudden, were like, oh, grinned. Mm. Yeah, but, so, but remember, you're talking about now, in those days, things like that weren't going on. They were. That's teaching. right. So when you was acting the way you was acting in school, was it because... Hey, nothing in here is about No, me. it's because my mother was licking me down like Buckside at home. And uh, <laughs> I couldn't wait to get to school. 
Okay, okay. I could mess about and get away with blue murder because the teachers were all nice and sweet young white women who were so lovely and they, you know, but they still threw me out. But um, right. yeah, I mean, basically my school days, they didn't start off too well, you know. Mm. I left school and I started working, well, I was working in Sainsbury's before I left school. Right. And um, before I used to do, you left school, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I was 15 when I started working. As um, you could in the, back in the day. Yeah, I worked stacking the shelves on a Thursday night and working on the tills on a Saturday. Um, wow. That teaches and you a lot, though. That teaches you a lot. You don't realise it, but you are learning. You, you are. Know? Back, back in the day, when you was on the tills at 15, you, was, you weren't scanning then, were you? You was having to count. I was too frightened. <laughs> you know, nowadays, they're on the till, they just scan. No, no, well, back no. then you had to no. count, didn't you? No, but you see, back then it was totally different. The tills are completely different, and I knew the price of every single thing in the shop. Right. So, uh, but I asked somebody in the shop one day about this because I said, "How is it that in the olden days, when I was working in Sainsbury's, I knew everything in the shop? Now these kids don't." Know. He said it's because they've got a bigger amount of selection. Like if you've got a tin of peas, there's not just one tin of peas or two tins of peas, there's like 50 tins of peas. Right, brands. You know? So he said brands. that's why they don't know it now, because it's like they've got to know not just one tin of peas, they've got to know 50 different types of peas and, you know, uh, makers, brands, blah, blah, blah. So he said basically it's changed completely since I was in Sainsbury's. I mean, you're talking 1970, and, um, you know, uh, it was a long time ago. So... Moving on from Sainsbury's, I worked in various places where I was um, effectively, um, yeah, that's a nice picture. I was effectively... Um, come back to him, just teasing. Yeah, I was just working in various jobs, leaping from job to job. I really wasn't settled. And then I decided to... You know, do you remember um, the youth training schemes they used to have? Yes, YTS. YTS, that's it. I, I, I did it. Yeah, I did a YTS where I... I learned shorthand because I've been able to type since I was at school um, and I learned shorthand and I decided to become a secretary. And that's where my life changed, because once you leave behind shops and shop floors, you go into offices. It's a totally different environment. Mm. And I found myself in a totally different world, you know, and dealing with people who I really wasn't used to. I was used to shop floor people, you know. Right. Um, and um, suddenly I had to suddenly change the way I speak because I you talk like this, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And people are going, what? Right, <laughs> right. As, as time went on, you realise that talking like that, nobody really knew what you were saying. It's like when you're Welsh or you're Scottish and people don't always understand what you're saying. You have to kind of slow down. And what you find is your 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 speech will change to ensure that everybody understands what you're saying. Right. So effectively, I started to change in my ways, I suppose. And then I um, I worked as a PA, which is something that was very, very strange because it's a totally different job to a secretary. Mm-hmm. And there you get a lot of learning because you have to work for like one person. Right. And it's a situation where it's just you and that one person. Right, you know? right. And you, you know everything about that person. So I started to realise that maybe I was good at office work. I enjoyed office work. I didn't want to be back on the shop floor. And I stayed in office work as a PA. And then I got bored being a PA. And I thought, I want to do something else. So without realising it, I started to order stationery, which wasn't really my job. 
but the person who was doing it was off that day kind of thing. So I did it. And then I said, look, I'll take it over. Started ordering the stationery. From the stationery, you're going to getting the cleaners sorted out from there. And that's when I realized I was actually doing facilities management. There's a name so, for what so, you was doing. Yeah, so I'd moved from secretary to PA. Now I'm into facilities management. And facilities right. management is a totally different job altogether. Um, mm. And so I thought, you know what? I like this facilities management thing. So I found myself moving from PA to facilities manager. And the first job I went to, to as an interview for a facilities manager, I got the bloody job. I couldn't believe yeah. it. Right. I thought, oh my God, what am I going to do? I don't know anything. Well, obviously, <laughs> you did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, I lied. Right. <laughs> and right. I got the job and they put me in. And of course, you know, when you're thrown in the deep end, right? You mm. sink or swim. You right. know what I mean? And we're I black sunk. people, we swim. I sunk. Not only did I sink, I stunk. <laughs> oh, good Lord, they fired you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, oh, I was so rubbish at that job. Oh, Lord. <laughs> wow, you thought you had it all then, huh? You Look, thought, because, oh, facilities yeah, manager, look was, that bad boy up. It wasn't what, I, what I'd been doing as a PA and a facilities. I'd learned quite a lot, but I hadn't learned enough right. to really do the whole facilities management job on my own. There was a lot of maths involved, which my maths is terrible. And so right. when they started giving me all these... Um, I was getting loads of spreadsheets to fill out. I'm thinking, oh my god! Now, let's stop a minute. Was, was this when back then was spreadsheets Excel or was spreadsheets some sort of? Oh no, this is Excel. This is about nineteen. Oh, where are we now? Uh, nineteen. Nineteen ninety-three. Oh, in the nineties. Okay. Yeah, and um, the guy was giving me Excel spreadsheets to complete and then I had to do all these things and I'm sitting there thinking I have no idea what the hell I'm doing <laughs> wasn't surprising after 11 months they sacked me <laughs> 11 months you survived a long time you survived a long time how did I that think... help you with the book no I'm just bringing you up to... I'm just giving you the story oh. in a month no but like... this is this is all the you background I mean? making backgrounds you know right. nice. this is all the background that led you up to yeah right. so basically from from the sacking I managed to get myself another job. Now, it's really funny because in those days, you could get sack and still get another job, whereas now yes. that's almost impossible. But mm. I, I, I just used to lie when I went to the next job. Do you know, hold on a minute, wait, because that's kind of deep. I hear about people lying to go from jobs. I never ever did that. And you know what? I don't know, but it actually worked. Yeah, it did. You know, people used to forge their, um, not forge, but would write a CV and just put stuff on it. Nobody ever checked. That wasn't me, okay? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I heard about that, and I was like, who would do that? <laughs> who would do but that? But anyway, I managed to get another job, and I worked for um, a company called Circle 33. Mm. Um, what, what year am I in? I'm getting lost now. I know, oh, it wasn't Circle 33. I'd already done, I'd left Circle 33. I now worked for Ask Me UK, and yeah. I got a job working for them. And I worked there for them for what 10, 10 years. And okay, I so that uh, was stability. I got huh? That was stability. Well, yeah, because by that time, that 11 months in that job, even though I got sacked for being rubbish, yeah, and I really and I really was rubbish. Mm. Um, I'd learned a lot. Yes. I'd yes, that was training. That was 11 months of training. That was 
I should have got that job as an assistant rather than as the actual major right. person. Right, but as but a I, major person, you learn even more than a, you know, and yeah. you, you saw. Yeah. And that's all you needed really was yeah. to see. Yeah, so from that job, I got another job, but this time I got a job as an assistant um, facilities manager. Right. Because I felt more comfortable at that point right. learning the trade from the guy above me. Right. And then after about two years, the guy above me left. Right. So and I thought, you know lap. what? I think I've got enough now to go for this job. Right. So I went for the job and I got it. Um, but it was very difficult because, you know, when you get promoted from within, it's not an easy thing to do. And the staff hate your guts. And no matter what mm. you do, say, no matter how friendly they were with you before you got the job, they will hate you. When it's you gone. Get the job. Right. Yeah. You become a different person. But you know what? I know how to deal with that as well. So I dealt with that. And oh, then um, 10 years later, they made me redundant. Uh, by that time, I'd become a health and safety officer. I knew everything about health and safety. I could do construction work, working in construction. I could do all sorts of things. Hold on. Well, that was redundancy with a package. Yeah. I got, well, they asked me if I wanted to stay on. And what they did was they said to me, uh, you can stay on in this job. We won't, sack, we won't make you redundant. But what they wanted me to do was my staff, my younger staff, who's a young lad I'd, I'd taken on, he used to set up all the meeting rooms, he used to set up all the projectors, make the teas and the coffees. And they wanted me to do that job. Right. And I was the manager. Yeah, I, I don't think so. And I just said, no, nah, it's all right. I'll take the money. So anyway, I took the money. And of course. Who then wouldn't? I got, another, I got another job. Uh, but that's what used to happen back there because jobs were just everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I got another <laughs> job. But but the, the difference now with this was I got a job. I worked for the British Lung Foundation and they had offices in, I think they still do, down in Goswell Road. Right. Goswell Road, is it? Goswell Road. Yeah, I think it's Goswell Road. And the problem was what they hadn't told me was I was in a basement. No heating, wow. no windows, no lights. And damp. And damp. And oh. I, that was that was my room. And because yeah. I'd been made redundant, I had to take the job. So I did that. But the funny thing is, of course, I always have this way of, you know what? There's a good thing in every job. Right. I learned from that job. I learned a lot from that job. Training ground. I made that job my own. And when mm. I left, they were balling. So basically, I had that job like that. And right. um, I'd set up all these systems because I'm very good at computers. And I'd set up all these systems. I had it working like that. So every time something happened, I knew it was going on. When I told them I, I was leaving, now, the, the, the important thing with this job that I'm telling you about now is I work for a company called Crisis. Right. Yeah. Has, has everyone heard of Crisis? I'm sure. You know, the uh, every Christmas they advertise on the thing. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, for um, homeless people. Yes. And I, when I was a manager, I belonged to a group called um, Facilities Management um, group or something. We set up a group that all the facilities managers in charities would um, get together once a month and have these great big meetings. We'd exchange ideas, blah, blah blah. And you know, you get to know facilities managers from all over other companies. Right. So anyway, I got to know this one particular facilities <clears throat> manager who said me and him got on so well. We would sit next to each other and we'd be digging each other like that in the meeting and laughing and giggling. <laughs> They're That's like little good. kiddies. In yeah. the meeting, and so when I when he heard that, that I was really unhappy in the British Lung Foundation, he um he said, "Well, why don't you come work for me? I need an assistant manager." 
Oh, okay. Oh, right. Okay. I'll go back down again. But, you know, mm. it's a job and it's better. And I knew the office is really nice and everything. So I got the job. And you know what? From the first day I started that job, that man hated my guts. After he told you to come in? After he told me to come, the man treated He was a racist bastard. So why and was he? He treated me like something under his shoe. And no I was way. completely shocked because I thought, is this the same person I used to get on yeah. with? Yeah. And it was really weird because when I got to the position, you know, when I got into the office and they introduced me and everything, um, what it turned out was everybody hated him. Now, I didn't know that. Right. I didn't know he was horrible because whenever I met him once or a month, he yeah. seemed okay. Right. So when I went to work there and people were always talking about him and saying all horrible things, about him, I thought, blind me. And then the way he was treating me, I thought, God, they, they've got a point. This man is horrible. <laughs> and so then I realized he was horrible. He was also not very good at his job. Right. And I thought, this is where I was when I worked at that job where I got it for the first time, I went for the interview. I was mm. like him. Rubbish. And, but he'd been there a long time and he belonged to the union. Right. And so uh. he started making my life very, very difficult. Very difficult. Everything I did was wrong. He'd give me incorrect information. And I just thought, my God. Anyway, eventually, after a year of being there, I took him to tribunal because the man was a pig. Right. But because he's in the union and because um, he'd been there 10 years or something, when I tried to take him, they said no. And in the end, he won the case and they threw me out the door. Wow. yeah, so I got once again. I again. got the boot. Yeah. And <laughs> so now I'm now unemployed. Wow. Yeah, this is 20, it's, uh, this is it's, 20, it's on ground, though, isn't it? Unemployed now. You've been there a few times. Yeah, this is 2014. I'm now unemployed. And I'm With thinking, experience. oh my God, what am I going to do? And this time I can't find a job. So I'm relying on my husband now, but I don't like that. So. Mm. Then I start doing really stupid jobs. You go to the job center, you do really, they send you for all these stupid jobs and you go and do them. I worked for a company for two weeks. They didn't pay me. Oh, yeah. They said, oh, we only need it for two weeks. I worked for two weeks and they refused to pay me. Wow. And the job yeah. center did nothing. Yeah. And this is yeah. when you start to learn what it's really like to be in the job center. That's why people hate these people in the job center. They don't yeah. do nothing. Well, for, for that and other reason, but yeah. yeah. And um, so then, um, then I got a job working in Enfield Town, which is like a you know the the big town to me. Mm. And um, I worked in a big uh, department store there once a month. Uh, sorry, once a week on a Sunday I worked there. That's that's my money. Once a week on a Sunday. <laughs> once a week on a Sunday in a that's department it. store. And I'm working in the, the curtain department. Mickey, I measure. <laughs> Good lord! So that was just something to keep you occupied. So people are coming in and ordering two yards of material. I'm like, what the What's hell that? is two yards of material? <laughs> and I'm giving them, I'm giving them ten yards, and I'm going, is that right? And they're going, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, you're one of them. Good lord, so they're coming the back. Money. <laughs> oh lord. Oh, well, you're just giving away the shop. Yeah. So there was me. People be coming. Can I have two meters of this and ten meters? I'm like, oh my god. So anyway, there was a young girl working. I said to her, "What's two meters look like?" And she go, "There's the yardstick they use that bit." Oh, okay. And then um, after a while, I kind of got to know what meters was. And um, 
But basically, I was hopeless at that job because it wasn't really what I wanted to do. It was only well, once a week. Fortunately, on a it was only one day a week. Yeah. But then yeah. They, I'd go I'd go in on extra days to get some extra money. And I'd right. work in different departments. You know, they'd move you around. So you get to learn all the different departments. And my favorite department was Christmas because Christmas, I was in charge of the department. I was the person who sold so much. They couldn't believe how much stuff I could sell at Christmas. So you're gifted. Yeah. So basically... Um, I thought, oh, that's it. I'm, I'm in this shop for life now because I can't find another job. Um, and then I went down to the Q archives. And by this time, by the way, I've had an interest in black history for years. I've been tutored by Robin Walker, who's like an eminent you know, historian. And I've been going to all these classes. I've been putting on events myself on the choir. And all these things have been happening in the background. And I'll go down to um, Q Gardens. And I meet this girl, I've never met her before, and we're both doing a talk. Um, we're both attending a talk. And I said to her, what do you do? She says, I'm a tour guide. I said, oh, what do you have to do for that then? Mm. And she said, oh, you just take people around London. I said, oh, I'll do that when my friends come around. You know what I mean? Right. But to me, it was no big deal to say, oh, this is this and that is that. That's London Bridge, that's Tower Bridge. That's, that's. I do that when the family come over or when all my mates come from abroad. Right. So I said to her, well, I like history and I, I do that with my friends. She goes, what do you think about becoming a tour guide? And that was the first time. Light bulb moment. And I thought, hmm. So I said to her, I don't know, what to, I don't know how to be a tour guide. So she goes, well, you can go to university. So I went to university. You did? Yeah, I went to University of Westminster. Right. And I learned to be a tour guide. It's, learned, hold on, wait. That I didn't know that was something you, you university to learn to be a tour guide. Yep. You don't have to, but I did because I wanted to make sure that I got everything right. If I'm gonna start this job, I want to get it right. How how, how long do you how long are you in you in university for then? A year. A year? What one day a week sort of thing? Uh two, two days. You do Thursday nights where you you go in on a Thursday night and um they basically tell you. <clears throat> Like, like my course covered Clerkenwell and Islington. Uh-huh. And so you go in on a Thursday night and they tell you, uh, this is this bit of, like they'll take a bit of Islington and they'll tell you all about it. And you have to learn word for word what they've just told you all day Friday. Right. And then Saturday morning, you have to go to that particular place and repeat it all. Wow. It's bloody hard. So, so, so hold on. But so you're being a tour guide for Islington then? That was my first uh, university course, yeah. My university okay, so, course covered so, so then you've learned to become a tour guide for Islington, and then you could go on to work anywhere. in Islington? Anywhere. Or? Anywhere. Well, as a tour guide for anywhere and anyone and anything, whatever category, it doesn't yep. have to apply yep. to Islington. Nope. So what did they teach? So what they taught you is the basic, the structure of That's being a right. tour guide. Yeah, and what you do for your exams is because you're learning, I mean, I was brought up in Islington, so it's not a big deal, but right. there was lots of things that they told me I didn't know. But right. you have to, so Thursday nights, they cram you with information into, it's not slides, presentations, information, information, and then right. Friday, all day Friday, you're on the train going home Thursday night, you're reading it. Friday, you're reading it, because by Saturday morning, you got right. to know it. Right. And then what you don't know is when are they going to, you have to go to each stop. Along the journey, so right. There's 14 stops on a tour. Right. Right. There's something like 20 people in the class. 
Right. So two of you might be doing the same stop or two at different times, but right. you don't know when they're going to ask you to do a stop, so you might do the first stop. Right. So you've got to be prepared for all of the stops. You've got to be prepared for all of them. Right. And that's from Thursday night to Saturday morning. You haven't got long. You ain't got long. Right. You know? Right, right. So effectively... And then at the end of it, you get a, what, a certificate? Of... Yeah, yeah, I got a... Yeah, hang on. I got I got one of these. Let me just show it to you. This is big got... things. If you want to... That's my badge. Oops, oh, you... hang on. Oh, they give you a badge. Welcome, Welcome on the Lisington Guide. Right. On it. Right. Yeah, just about seeing my name. Whoa. At the bottom there. That's... Yeah. Yeah, it's engraved. Okay. Yeah, so you get that. That's your badge to show that you're a tour guide. You so now you can go anywhere in the world. Yeah. And be a tour guide. Yeah. Right here. That's yeah. good to know. That's, <laughs> that's good to know. Yeah. And so from that. So from that now, when you have all your exams, one of the things you have to do is you have to put together your own walk. Ah. So part of the exam right. is you have to put together a walk in the Islington area because that's where we're learning. Right. Every single person has to put a walk in that class and that's part of your exam. So you, you also, have to, you also have to give a presentation. You have to give a 10-minute presentation. You're not allowed to use notes. The walk, you're not allowed to use notes. Um, you have to do a written exam as well. So everything is really difficult because you've got to, I ain't got I ain't got that kind of brain neither. I'm a person I I'm better with reading it than remember you know and sort of, I I can't do walks without notes. I find it very difficult. But I had to do it for the exam. Right. And right. so I did it and I passed. But what I did was my very first my uh my pre uh, walk that I put together for my exam was the Black History of Islington. Right. And so they were quite shocked because nobody ever done that before. Right. Okay. Nice. They were, like, sense. they were like, what do you mean the black history of Islington? What black history in Islington? As if it didn't exist. No, but it's true though. Yeah, I know. Until you did it, yeah, it did they, not exist. They did it didn't exist. Uh, so I, I get called back now by the um examining board. I get called back by the university to give talks about how I did this. And I'm like, because I know my history, that's how I did it. If I didn't know my history, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Now, hold on a minute now, because we're going to have you, you, you know your history in Islington or what, how does that be? No, my black history, I know. And so, all right, let me give you an example. Supposing we're doing um, a, a tour of Islington one Saturday morning, right? right? We've had to learn all this stuff. So that Saturday morning, they call you and they say to you, right, tell us about that piece of graffiti. And you've been learning it all day Friday. And I'm thinking, boy, I can't remember a thing. So <laughs> um, basically, you have to talk about, say, that piece of graffiti. But with me, because I know the person who did that graffiti, because it's got her name on it. Right. Carleen de Souza. Right. I talk about Carleen de Souza being one of the few black women in the business. Right. You know what I mean, okay. whereas all the flavor. others. All the others are talking about, oh, all around London, you get these, um, you know, street artists and they're very popular in Brick Lane, blah, blah. Right. I'm talking about the black woman who's behind right. the the post, the graffiti. Right. And then they're sort of going, and how is that black history? And I'm like, because it's a black woman black doing woman. it. Of course. Straight away. And look at the picture she's drawing. She's drawing golden women with 
um, children with keyholes in their head unlocking, and she's got keys all over her artwork, unlocking their brain. They're not seeing any of that. Right. They're just seeing street artists after street artists and talking about all of them. I'm talking about this one because she's black. Right. And the meaning behind what she was doing. Well, yeah, exactly. Oh. So for them, it's like, oh, I didn't see that. Oh, I didn't know that. All oh, right. Okay. Right, yeah. yeah. And right so on, that's yeah. how I kind of started my walk. So when we had to do the Black, uh, uh, black History of Islington, I was stuck at first. I was really, really stuck because I'm thinking I, I bought I was brought up in Islington, but I know there was black people there when I was younger, but I don't remember anything. Mm. And so anyway, in the end, they were talking one day about um Peabody. A lot right. of people live in Peabody flats. Yes, I used yeah. to work in them. Yeah. Did you know that there's a black link? No, I was the gas engine, I serviced their boy. Okay, you wouldn't have known it. <laughs> but basically. When they started talking about Peabody, the, the, the question that I raised, because to me, Peabody was around in 1863 and them sort of times. Right. So how does someone in 1863 be so rich that he can give away eight million pounds? Wow. That was my first question. In they call him, they call him a They call him a philosopher. Uh, not a philosopher, a um, philanthropist. Yes. Yeah. And so for me, I'm saying, yeah, but where did he get the money from? Right. And in the end, I read on the internet that he was into dry goods. I thought, what the hell are dry goods? Well, you know what dry goods are. Cotton. Straight away, you got your link. Oh, slavery. Slavery. Right. And it's right. all those little links that you have to try and find out. Right. When you're doing black history tour guiding, because nobody would include uh, um, Peabody in a black history walk. Right. Because they wouldn't know that. Right. So this when is... someone says he works in dry goods, I said, well, what's dry goods? And the minute they started saying um, cigars, slavery. Right. Cotton, slavery right coffee slavery right and that's why i said oh so i turned around i said oh so he's into slavery <laughs> right right no it's true because yeah, that's where so, all the, that's where all them foods were sugar as well that's exactly, where they all, the, all of them things dry good my backside he was into right. slavery and they put know? a flavorful word on it which makes you you're not there meant to you think go. so yeah so in the end i did the whole of my tour by stopping at each um, thing that I saw on first of all, you look, yeah, I use Google for everything because Google is like my Bible. You know, I look right. at Google and I think, well, what is there in the area? So you start looking around, and I use walking up the street on Google, you look around and you see if there's any plaques or anything. Who's that person? What did they do? And that's how I start a walk, right? Mm -hmm. I eventually, I um, I effectively just start by looking at Google and seeing what there is in an area. If someone mentions something to me as well, I'll go and have a look. Um, and to put a walk together, it can take you about a year. Yeah. Now, hold what, just one second there, because you're talking about the, the walk. And by the way, everyone, we, we, we have Avril Nanton, author of the book, uh, and it, I'm holding up a copy, of it here, a copy of it here, Black London. You're talking about a walk. Just a quick visit to your, to your website. Um, because what we see here is, I'm sharing my screen, hope everyone can see it. The Black Statues Walk. Oh, yeah. Walk. 
Tottenham War. Chili Fiesta, is that a walk? No, that was an event I took people down to. It's, it happens every year. It's fantastic. I love it. I love going there. Okay. And then Hyde Park, is that a walk? Hyde Park yep, walk. That's walk. a walk, yep. Right. City of London walk. Yeah. So so in, in essence, then you you can just continue to develop walks based on historical things that you can research and think, oh look. And then it just goes on from there. Yeah. Wow. That's, but it all amazing. comes down to it all comes down to my arthritis and my hips. <laughs> and right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we get yeah. it all now. No, but you know, the thing about it is because I was thoroughly uh, impressed. I, I've been talking about you all week. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry, people. <laughs> I'm really impressed uh, by, by the, the walk that you um, you had us on. Um, yeah. TMJ is in the building and she yes. was the one that invited us. I so, have to tell you, that walk is my second walk that I invented. And that, that's another thing. Oh. Can you not see? Here we are. Yeah, we can see everything. There's right. Mr. Trouble there, Mr. In the Red. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Reese. I don't know why the thing's moving around like that, but there you are. So here we are. So typically, just, just explain a little bit about the war. Okay, this is where we start. This is where we meet up. Um, right. This is just outside. That picture was just outside Embankment Station. Right. That one there. And that's only some of you. I don't think you'd all arrive by then. A few others did arrive, correct? Yeah. So yeah. typically, because it's just you, how many people would you have? No more than 15, if I can help it. Because right. if you have more than 15, one of the things you learn on, you know, universities, you can have as many people as you want. But imagine you've got 100 people on a walk. Who's right. going to hear you at the back? Right. Who's going to be interested in what you're saying when you're right at the front? And there's 99 other people in front of them. Right. So you have to limit your numbers. That's why I'm always shocked when I see these people who take students, you know, walk on walks around London. And you see like 100 people following them and they've got those little flag things. And I just think, boy, they, I don't know if they learned, if they, how they learned. But you don't have to go to university to learn to be a tour guide, you see. Anyone could be a tour guide. Well, that's what, well, oh, hold on a minute. But you, the university is teaching you the structure, and that's very important, right. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, that's why you go to university. Right. Because you then get the proper grounding, you get the understanding, you start to know where the uh, archiving services are, you start to know everything. Right, this is, oh, where are we? Go back a bit to that one, that just one that you just had, the one before this okay. one. Right. Right, this is, I think it's Nelson Man Mandela. Right. Yeah. And whenever I talk about black statues, people always say, oh, you're going to go look at Nelson Mandela. And I say, he's not the only black statue in London. <laughs> I, have I have over 30 statues and it's going up on my, I have a presentation that goes with this walk called Black Statues Around London. This walk is called Black Statues Around Westminster. Right. Yeah, and that's the difference. One's just in Westminster, because you can't go too much further as you get too tired. Um, but right. the, the presentation shows you practically every statue that's in here. Right. Yeah. In fact, more um, in here than now, because, of course, this is more up to date than my presentation. But, you know, in here, you will find every sort of... Uh, Here's um, a statue. Can you see this one? 
Oh, that's one of my favourites. Do you know where she is? Who is she? She isn't anyone in particular. She, I found her by accident. She's okay. actually at the back of um, uh, the Royal Albert Hall. So this and, one, right? Which, yeah. So whoever she is, I didn't quite understand it because I was looking and it says Memorial to the Great Exhibition. Yes. That's part yeah. of... Right. Uh, the Great Exhibition was, was held in London. Yeah. Uh, you, you're talking about this one. Yeah, this one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there you go, that one there. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, the Great Exhibition was held in London, and these statues at the back, when the uh, exhibition closed down, they took these statues away and put them where they are now, which is behind the Royal Albert Hall. Right. So they sit there with Albert. They kind of like almost like guarding him. Do you remember what I said to you about people guarding things? Yeah. Like the lions and the... Uh, um, obelisk. The lion was looking at the, the no, the lion was looking at Nelson and the obelisk the, they were looking, a, no, the lion was looking away from Nelson and the obelisk the, they were looking at the obelisk. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when they finished the exhibition this was put up, this was all part built for the exhibition of the Great Exhibition which was Prince Albert, he had a lot of influence over Queen Victoria and he built this thing and each sculptor could do their own statue to represent a different part of the world and this picture represents africa oh, so go. that is a black woman yeah and if you notice she's naked they often depict, they often depict black people as naked to show us as animals and you know lower caste etc funny you should um, mention that because mm -hmm. on youtube they show these African tribes of these young women, black women, of course, um, topless. Their boobs are hanging around and they're running around it. Now, if on YouTube you put white woman topless, it's um, banned sexual. and all the rest it's of it. sexual. Yeah. yeah. Whereas with black women. But the, the, yeah, but the difference is the African women who do that, that's part of their culture. Culture. Mm. Whereas if you're going to sculpt somebody, why would you have to sculpt her with... Her tits hanging out, basically. Right. Why not put some clothing on her? Because there are many uh, African statues with clothing on. Right. So it just, it's just a way of showing. She's got a blanket going across her leg. You see that? Yes, yes. Yeah? Why right. not put some clothes on her? Or you know, put the blanket further up. Yeah, it? exactly. And yeah. Th this, was, this is often depicted. Um, remember, we went past... Um, we went past a street... Oh, no, it was the other guy I was talking to in the red. What's his name? Jemmy. 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 Yeah. Um, there was a street we went past. I didn't take you lot down there um, because the tour was already going on for too long. And basically, I went to... That was just because we were talking. Yeah, but that's all right. I mean, that happens. But sometimes I have to cut things out. So if people make the tour too long, I have to cut things out. Otherwise, you're looking at a four-hour tour. Right. You know? Right. Or a two-hour tour. Um, so uh, there was a on a building. You remember we looked at the foot the HMRC. Yes. The, the the building next to it is the Foreign Office, and on the Foreign right. Office, if you go down Whitehall, there's a woman representing Africa, and she too is naked, and she's actually got chains on her as well, and on her child. Right. Yeah. And what's that about? She don't got can here. <laughs> What was that? Why she got chains on? What's that? Why she got chains on? 
on her well, and on her channel. representation because you've got Asia, Europe, Africa, and Africa's got chains on. Slavery. Yeah. I mean, it's just unbelievable. When you look around London, always look up when you walk around London. I think, was it? Uh, well, no, no, the, the thing is, you say always look up, but from what we saw on the tour, even looking up would have done nothing for me because, for example, that obelisk um, that we saw, I, I drive past it all the time. And <laughs> I never ever would have thought to, um, you know, it's a very common thing. I've walked past it. I have not thought the whole history of Egypt and how it got down the Nile and the, oh, come on. Mm. I would have looked at till I was, you know. Yeah, there it is there. It's in the no book. No idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's in the book. And it's yeah. in the book. Yeah. Well, I mean, the fact it's got hieroglyphics on it, well, hieroglyphics, the only place you get those are in Egypt. No, that's the other thing. Oh, I looked at that. They're, they're just carving. I wouldn't have thought hieroglyphics. No, it's it's someone like you. That's why you have the title tour guide. It's someone like yeah. you to, to really bring out the point and, and talk the things. Just like this one um, over here, the, um, was it, the the Sphinx. The Sphinx. Which is looking at the obelisk. Yes, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to, the Sphinx. I hate saying that word because I can never say it right. But they're supposed to guard the obelisk. Oh, right. What did I tell you the Egyptian name was? Do you remember? Well, you, you're going deep now. But <laughs> Someone said they call it the needle eye. <laughs> the needle right. eye, even. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so, so they're, they're meant to be looking the other way. I yeah, drive past this building all the I was doing a job around there just last week. It had no interest to me. Now, mm. of course, my eyes have been open. Yeah. So now you go past it, you think, oh, that's what that place Avril was telling me about. Well, yeah. And yeah. I've, I've um, remembered the name, the obelisk. It, no, it's not obelisk, it's obelisk. Obelisk. <laughs> yeah, obelisk. it's commonly called Cleopatra's Needle. Right. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Look at Pinky. <laughs> Pinky, I call that a needle eye, see? Pinky, we can see you. <laughs> yeah, it's commonly called Cleopatra's Needle, and I told you why it's called Cleopatra, because of the ship. Remember the right. special ship they built? Yeah, and um, the Egyptian word is Tekken. Tekken. Yeah, yeah and all I know about Tekken is um, a little street fighter game. <laughs> Someone's written it in there. Thank you, Ashley. <laughs> yeah. So basically, and then we move down to Trafalgar Square. What do we see? Two black people minimum in Trafalgar Square. One's yeah. always there. Remember, he's always there with his gun. Right. Yeah, and the other one. Where's the other one? If I do that, does that mean anything to you? Do you remember what that was? Four. Fourth. Well, you're going deep now. Fourth plinth. Oh, the fourth plinth, yes, which was, um, is it Nelson? Not Nelson. The fourth no. plinth was, I remember that. Yinka Shonibare. Yeah, see, you can't expect me to remember them. <laughs> ah, Yinka yeah. Shonibare. Yeah. It's good to yeah. say, to repeat the name at and least. And remember, I said to you. He, and that was um, the he GLC was, um, minister. He had the Nelson ship in a bottle, and he was the one that had the ballerina on the um, uh, the uh, English National Opera, and every time they had a ballet on there, she danced. Yeah, yeah? Ken Livingstone. 
That's right. Good man, you're remembering. You know what? The thing with tours, though, you have to do them several times to remember the information. And that's what I've been telling everyone. I have to do the tour again. And I said to everyone in the group, we should all do it. Yeah. Because if you do it once, eh, you get something. Yeah, you get something again. But you you know, yeah, when I was learning black history and I met Robin Walker, let me tell you what happened. I was working for one of the many companies I worked for. uh, for, uh, for Circle 33 down in Islington. And I went for my lunch break. And as I went past the sign, it said, do you know your black history? And I was quite offended because I thought, how dare they? Of course I know my black history. I'm black. Of course I know my black history. So I walked up the street, but all the time it was in my head. And I right. thought, when I came back, I saw the sign. So I went into the place and I said, I said, um, excuse me, can you just tell me a bit more about this course that you're doing with this Robin Walker guy? And she told me about it. And I said, oh, I'll, I'll join it. But, you know, I'm, I'm not really happy because I do know my black history. I don't even know why I'm doing this. So mm. anyway, um, the uh, I went to the class and he blew my mind. And I did not believe a word he told me the first time I heard him talking because I thought, what's this man talking about? You know, and so, you know how many times I did that that course? It's a year's course. It's a year? Yeah, I did it five times. One after right. the other, because you Is cannot that five in, years. Yeah, you cannot take in information the first year. It's all too much. You only take in bits here, there, and everywhere. So after five years, there's Robin. Yeah, after do you know where that picture's taken? No, that's at my wedding. <laughs> no way, Robin so was that's, there. That's his favorite. He was my best man. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's his favorite picture. He looks um, like a scholarly gentleman. He is. He's an extreme. If you haven't heard of Robbie Walker, I don't know where you've been because he's like the biggest, brightest star on the, you know, historian front. And he's trained Akala. He's trained uh, Andrew Muhammad. He's trained so many people, their black history. And he trained me mine. So wow. we've now, he's now my mentor. We're the best of friends. And I've known him now for since 1997. And um, where does he teach Black History? Well, I'm doing a course with him. Do you remember I told you I'm doing a course with him? Um, uh, on the first of November, we start a course called Black British History from 1948 to now. And what we do is uh, we're very much aware that Black people have been here a lot longer than that. But we also know that there are Black people that don't even know our history from since mass immigration it's very sad country. but it's true and, and he, i'm there yeah he I'm one teaches, of them he teaches how we influenced music fashion um food anything you can think of sports we influenced all of that most people are not even aware of that right. and basically uh he wrote a book called when we ruled now someone's written it in there but the thing is if you look in the book when we ruled you'll see my name in there because Muggins here, 800 pages, by the way, Muggins mm. here proofread that book. Wow. Three times. So D- Denise is in Robin is in the Robin Walker group. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, I'd be very surprised if you, uh, Denise, are you on um, WhatsApp with him? Because Robin don't do WhatsApp. Um, Robin can just about pick up a phone and use it, much less for doing WhatsApp. He's not involved in this. He's... <laughs> Denise, write it in the chat. 
you know, by the way, guys, do continue to write your comments in the yeah, chat. We'll do. read them once out. Time, um, once upon a time, I was Robin's PA for a few years because Robin really needs to be organized. He is just one of these geeky type of professors, you know? Remember, yes. he looks like that. That's exactly how he is. He's a very geeky type professor. He doesn't really understand modern stuff. Right. It's an old-fashioned thing, and he's there. Yes, yeah? yes, because yeah. he's, he's, he's into antiquity, isn't he? Obviously, he, yeah. it's yeah. And he knew he knew Renoka Rashidi very well, and Renoka Rashidi did the um, forward on his um, When We Rule book and stuff like that, you know. So, so he's got uh, a lot of clout. Yeah, good guy to know. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. So now in this one, 1948 to to now, Black uh, British history, yes. which you're doing, and you said in November. Yes, it starts on the 1st of November. How would people be able to participate in that? You can actually um, get the information off of my website because I'm the person selling the tickets. Oh, so it's not a one, because you studied within five years. This is not a, 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 a one... How, how does that work? It's not a one... No, it's, it's an eight-week course. Right. Yeah. So let me take you through. So there are, there are eight classes, right? The first class is called the MV Empire Windrush and the Calypso Years. And Robbie will tell you about, obviously, the ship arriving, but also about the music. And most people don't realise that when... Um, the ship arrived, the majority of people on it were Trinidadians. People think it was Jamaicans, but it's Trinidadians. Right. Yeah, And it was Trinidadians that really set the pace for the black community in those days. The Jamaicans were not like top dogs like they are now. It was uh, Trinidadians. We noticed that when we saw the, um, what's his name, Steve McQueen mangrove thing, there were Trinidadians that were... Yeah, like the court thing. They were yeah, leading yeah. way there. Yeah, right. Is, is they, this the uh, courses here? Yeah, there's the course. There's three of them. If you notice, if you buy one, the uh, full course is eighty pounds. Right. The, you can do it class by class, so you can attend when you want. That's thirteen. That's twelve pound. But the, the reason they've got different figures because there's a pound fee put on top. By but the, notice uh, this one here. Yeah, that's the full 81, course. And then this yeah. one here, early bird, is fifty-one pound. Fifty-one pound. Yeah. So if you buy the £50 one, that's the whole course for £50 instead of 80 Now, is that is the course provided online, like through Zoom, or are we attending somewhere? I provide it all. I'm the, I'm the facilitator. And it's done through Zoom? Yep. Well, that's brilliant. So that means it's, it's very easy yep. for, for people to attend. Oh, yeah. And then, Robin, I provide you with... Um, if we record it so you get a copy of the recording I provide you with notes I give you a book list I do all of this but Robin just does the call he just does all the chatting about the actual information and so oh, so let's do what we're looking at earlier. so um, what um, what day of the week would this would this Monday take Monday the 1st of November and every Monday for 8 weeks finishes just before Christmas Right, so someone can go to your website like I've done and then get the little pop-up here. Yeah, and, and add it to your to cart. cart. Yeah, and those books, by the way, Robin's written all of those. Right, this, the, in there, in these are many books that yeah. are going to be discussed 
no, no, no. Robin's written all those books, but not all of those books will be discussed because they're not all about Black British history. They're about his Robin's specialism is Egyptian history. But he right. does he does black religion, black science. Um, you know, he does all kinds of areas, mathematics. We ran a course last year about religion. It was packed. All these classes get really busy. Right. Yeah. So one then, of them, I noticed it said black British in the in the one of the books of the many that he's written. Yeah, that's Robin's does. written that one. It's called Black. There's Black History Matters. And the book that we recommend, if you put your cursor on that blue, that one, that's it. That's the book yeah. that we use for the, the course. Ah, yeah. Black British, Black British oh, history. Black British, right. Yeah. So, so it's on a Monday. Yep. And is a Monday daytime or evening? Evening, seven o'clock till nine. Seven, oh, two hours on a Monday. Yeah. Wow. And just 51 pounds over eight weeks. I mean, come on, that's a gift. That's like six that is pounds. a bargain. We we always do an early bird to get people in. And then if they miss the 50 pound deal, they have to pay 80 pounds for the same course. It's only 10 pounds uh, it's online. Uh, per lesson. So it's I mean, online, that's still so worth it. Do it on Zoom. Yeah. Someone just said where. It's all online. Yeah. In the comfort of your home. In the comfort of your own home. And yeah. you get music. You don't get food because we can't feed you. But you know, you get music, Robin plays music, and he, you know. So um, let's just have a look here. Um, one, do you do anything with the Black History Studies, Mark and Charmaine? Um, D. Uh, Mark and Charmaine. Simpson. Yeah, right. I don't know if D knows, but uh, Mark and Charmaine learned their craft under Robin, and we were all in the same class, me, Mark and Charmaine. And then Mark, Charmaine, and Robin set up Black History Studies together. Right. And then they were working together, and then something happened. Nobody knows what. No one's talking. And right. things went wrong, and they split away from each other. Well, but, I mean, sometimes yeah. you've got to do what you've got to do. I mean, you've got you know. to do, well, Robin had been working on his own for years anyway. So when he joined up with Mark and Charmaine, that, was, that came completely out of the blue. And... Um, they stayed together for a while, set up all sorts of courses and everything. Um, and so uh, when things went wrong, Robin just went back to working by himself. And went then, back to doing what he's doing. And then Black yeah. History Studies has continued doing what yeah. they're doing. And, and it all comes together, I mean. Yeah. Well, I'm, I know Mark and Charmaine very well, so, you know. Yeah. And they're doing very well. They are doing brilliantly. Yeah, they've built that up over a long period of time. I get their their regular emails Yeah, as, so as do well. I. Yeah. Um, so, so this is really good. So, uh, uh, Monday, starting November, and the tickets available on the website. So anyone can in the group can attend. Yeah, get Don't the, the early bird website. one for the same price for the same length of time. Get the early bird course. Get the early bird for fifty quid, rather than the uh, pay eighty pound for the same course. Of course, of yeah. course, that that makes total yeah. sense. And then um, if you go back to my website, um, there's an amazing talk coming up about black hair um yeah after the story of Afro yeah, hair. now that if you share your screen just for a minute the girl who's doing that i don't know if anybody went to see an exhibition called six thousand years of the afro comb i don't know if i mean put it in the chat if you did but yeah um she's written a new book called the story of afro hair and it's amazing her research is you know, second to none. When she put that 6,000 Years of the Afro Comb exhibition on, that was down in Cambridge. 
with Cambridge University and she's written a book to go with it. You know, wow. now she's got a new book out called The Story of Afro Hair and it's 5,000 years of history, fashion and styles. So she's going to be launching her book on my website on Zoom uh, right. next, next Friday. Oh, that's a clash. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Next Friday. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can have her you know, later. <laughs> we would love to have her on the show to talk about it because we have our very own D Naturals who yes. also does... A, a, a workshop to his by so I don't know if there's a connection there. Well, Dee may know Candassi. Ah, now I was going to ask you. So I say K and Chimbiri. Yeah, K and Chimbiri. That's Candassi Chimbiri. Um, and I, if you Kandassi. look at the hair, the Afro hair carefully, got a crown, got women. He's got Afro comb, got shells. If you look at the picture that the guy has designed on the hair. Yeah, yeah. Can you it's see got the them? Crown in there for sure. Yeah, it's got to the left of that the Af the woman with the hairstyle. Yeah, yeah, the and then to the right of that, it's, it's really a fantastic picture. I love it. Yeah, and yeah. they've gone back five thousand years. Yeah, Candace's like that. She's really she loves hair, and um, you know she's she's but she writes mostly children's books. She's written a book called Windrush, and um, she's been taken up now by a big publishing house. And they're looking after her now. You know? Oh, that's wonderful. So uh, tell Candace that uh, we'd love to have her on. I'll tell her. Uh, to talk about her, the story oh, she'll of be amazing. Afro hair. And yeah. also the, the, the children's book, by the way, because many of us in here are parents. Yeah, yeah. Parents. So, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. these, these are gifts that we can give to our children because um, I, I know how impressed people are with um, just having a black book. <laughs> You know uh, what you you asked me the other day about tell you about the publishing how we got it published. Yes. Um, well, first of all, writing it took three years. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. There you go. Writing it took three years, and uh, uh, Jody and I um, we met at an exhibition called No Color Bar, which was held at the Guild Hall in the City of London. Right. And um, somehow we kind of became friends and we got really, and we're both from Dominica, which again, we didn't know. Right. <laughs> so Dominicans are taking over. That's what my husband says anyway. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, so we, uh, she came on one of my tours and she did the one that you guys did. And when we got to um, uh, Trafalgar Square. What was the name of the one we did? Black Statues Around Westminster. Oh, 